Welcome to iPad Pros. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. Today on the podcast is Lewis of SilverFox.be, creator of Texter, OpenTerm, and Picture. Lewis has been on a mission to make his iPad more useful to him as a developer, with the goal of one day having the iPad be a primary computer for developers. His first steps into this was creating a text edit replacement with Texter and a terminal for iOS with OpenTerm. I'm a huge fan of his work, and without further delay, here's my interview with Lewis of SilverFox.be. Enjoy. I'm here today with Lewis of SilverFox.be. Welcome, Lewis. Uh, hi. So you came across my radar on Twitter, and your apps have been kind of popping into my timeline through all of your different projects you've been working on, and... I looked a bit more into what your kind of mission is, and that's to make the iPad your main computer. And as a developer, you have certain tools that normal people uh, do not. <laughs> um, so uh, can you kind of go into what tools you've been making to make this a reality for you? Yeah, sure. So about three years ago, I started working on a pixel art editor called Picture which was my first productivity iPad app that I made. About a year ago, I created a framework called PanelKit, which sort of took Picture to the next level. And PanelKit allowed Picture to have floating panels inside the app. You can drag those around and pin them to a site. And it's kind of like a window manager, but inside an app that made Picture a a lot more productive. Then some time passed and uh, I was focusing on some more features for Picture specifically, and I created some frameworks. But then a couple of months ago, I started working on, you know, what it, like you said, uh, what it would take for an iPad to become more useful to me as a developer, because I am an iOS developer mainly. One of the key points that was missing on iOS for me was sort of a terminal, a, a command line interface. I had this initial vision with the Files app that Apple introduced last year with iOS 11. I thought it would be cool if you could have in a split screen view on one side, a command line interface manipulating files. And on the other side, the right-hand side, you would have the Files app, which displays the files that you're manipulating. Just a fun idea, and I worked on that for a couple of nights in December of last year. And then in January, I finally released an app called Terminal. It took like 10 days for Apple to realize like, well, maybe we shouldn't allow an app called Terminal (laughs) on the App Store. Yeah, I downloaded it when it still had the Terminal name. It's like, oh, I can't call it that. It kind of looked official. People who didn't know it was unofficial thought, hey, Apple released an app called Terminal uh, and it was free and and had a really similar icon uh, as as Terminal on macOS. After 10 days on the App Store, they contacted me and said, well, maybe you should change the name or we're going to take it down. And then I changed the name to OpenTerm, which puts a nice focus on the fact that the Terminal app, now called OpenTerm, is open source based obviously on a lot of these commands that it includes are open source and I made the app uh, itself also open source. Going even further after OpenTerm, I started wondering like, well, a command line app is fine and basically OpenTerm can be described as a glorified file manager, you can think of it, where basically you have these commands that you can type to create files and read files or create folders and organize your files and maybe search through them, things like that. It surprised me that when you created a TXT file in OpenTerm, that basically on iOS by default, there's no real app to open TXT files. And 
and yeah, because there's so many text editors, but they're all in some custom format, most of them, and they're very fancy. Right, indeed. And of course, the Notes app that Apple provides on iOS doesn't really work on a file level. It's it's like completely locked in the, the Notes app. I'm sure underneath the hood, it, it does use TXT files maybe to some extent, but mm-hmm. it's not really accessible to you. Uh, and even Pages, which is free from Apple, from the iWork suit, it does allow you to open TXT files, but it doesn't allow you to save them back as TXT files, which is kind of dumb. It basically converts it to a pages document. It's been frustrating for a long time just editing an XM. I have a podcast that I still do manual feeds with and XML editing. It was such a pain in the butt. I was using IA Writer and I was never quite sure if it saved properly as what I needed to be. And Texter actually does a great job with just XML because that's. I think just TXT with a different uh, extension. I'm not positive, though. A lot of file formats are basically plain text with you know a fancy extension which certain applications recognize and, and give you some syntax highlighting or things like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, indeed. Yeah. And that's the great thing about TechStore. Uh, contrary to a lot of, you could say, the competitors of TechStore, these, these other uh, text editors on iOS, TechStore is not just limited to TXT files. It allows you to open basically any text file like XML or even files without an extension, which a lot of apps seem to have trouble opening, sadly enough. And I love the design of it. It just opens the document picker and it really is pretty powerful if you're a user of like text edit on the Mac. And if you've been using that text edit app document folder all this time, you can actually just dive into the text edit document app on your iPad and editing the same documents you do there and it, it works really well like that yeah it, it really is kind of crazy that uh, text edit on macOS supports iCloud and so if you have iCloud enabled those files will appear on your iPad in the files app and your iPhone but if you tap them those txt files by default you will be able to view them I suppose but not edit them yeah which is really weird actually yeah uh, so yeah yeah at some point the files app would be great if you could edit basic stuff like text within the files app, but I don't see that happening soon. Mm-hmm. So with those tools, is there anything else on your radar that's like missing out of the app store or tool set you have on the iPad to get your work done? Yeah. So like I mentioned, I'm an iOS developer. I work full time at a company called Next Steps here in Belgium. So my main time on computers is focused on working in an app called Xcode, the IDE that Apple provides on macOS which is used to create iOS apps. That's the app I spent most of my time in. And obviously, that's not available on iOS at the moment. You can't develop iOS apps on an iPad yet. Mm-hmm. There is the Swift Playgrounds app, which allows you to do some small things in Swift on iPad. But that's quite limited at the moment and doesn't really provide features that I need to do any serious work. If I were to really consider an iPad to replace my MacBook Pro, it would have to have uh, Xcode available on it, which it doesn't at the moment. Do you see that as a possibility in the coming years? I think Apple's starting to get more serious about this stuff. I really do think and maybe this year at WWC or maybe next year, we, we might see Xcode for iPads or maybe even iPhone, although there is some doubt there. <laughs> Yeah, which would fill a, a huge gap for me on the on iOS at the moment. But even then, there are certain limitations as to the usefulness of an iPad to me, which not necessarily stem in the software, but as well uh, the hardware for some parts. Yeah, which obviously is the. I mean, 
I can change the hardware uh, of the iPads. That, that only Apple can do that. Would you want to see like a 20-inch desktop form factor iPad eventually as something to, to use at the desk? It's a tricky wordplay, I suppose, when you say a 20-inch iPad. I guess the well, interface would have to be updated quite a bit to maneuver what, a device at large. <laughs> I suppose what I want is a 15-inch kind of laptop form factor, which runs iOS. That's perhaps a better description mm-hmm. of what I would like to see. And you could call that an iPad or call it a MacBook for all I care or an iBook. It's really the OS that runs on it. And obviously iOS at the moment wouldn't fully fit on a 15-inch laptop form factor. There are certain system features that mm-hmm. it would need. Is part of that form factor a trackpad with a, a mouse on the screen? Or is it more the clamshell with the bigger battery and slightly bigger screen than the 12 inch. I suppose w- once you go beyond like the 12.9 inch iPads that you have uh, as the maximum at the moment, once you go beyond that, it becomes inevitable to rethink the window management on iOS, where basically on iPads uh, currently you're limited to a split screen where you yeah. have two apps on the screen as well as since iOS 11 last year. You can have a third app floating either left or right. So you can have three apps at the moment. Once you go beyond like 13-inch and you have a 15-inch or even 20-inch, as you've mentioned, device with iOS on it, it would be nice to have a certain window kind of manager like you have on macOS, where you can drag windows around, resize them, uh, and not having to worry about only... You know, having the split screen. Another concept I was thinking about is, you know, how you drag an app to a certain part to have it be put in that kind of place on your iPad as far as the windowing. If you could divide that up further where you have the bottom half of one of your split screens be one app and the top half be another app, that way you could have more to work with, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but again, there are certain concepts on macOS that aren't necessarily wrong. It's just that it would be nice to be able to run iOS on a MacBook-like device. And so I don't necessarily want to throw away all of the good ideas from macOS if we ever replace macOS with iOS or Mm -hmm. some OS that replaces both of them, I suppose. Right, yeah. As I've mentioned, PanelKit. PanelKit is also kind of an experiment to see how you could manipulate the resizing and placement of floating panels, but you could call them windows, I suppose, to a certain extent, on a touchscreen device. And so instead of thinking of panel kits managing the panels inside picture, you could apply the same ideas to a system-wide feature where you might have apps that you can drag around, as you can in picture with the panels right now, and you can resize them and pin them to a, uh, a side, mm-hmm. which might be interesting. You mentioned mouse support or trackpad support yeah. as well. One thing I was thinking about is the Apple TV has like a trackpad and it would make a lot of sense to at least have that kind of interface where you're able to do certain things, maybe not a full mouse, but more Apple TV kind of style of control, perhaps. Right. So tvOS has this focus-based UI is what you're talking about. Yeah, I think. exactly. I don't think the, the mouse should necessarily die with, together with macOS. Sure, yeah. I think if you do have a, let's say we have a 20-inch or even a 27-inch iOS device or, you know, computer running iOS, like you have an iMac today, 
imagine that running iOS, mm -hmm. then you wouldn't necessarily want to use touch input as the only input. Sure. I can yeah. imagine that if you have a 27-inch screen, you would probably want that vertical most of the time. And when you have the vertical, your screen, it's getting tiresome to 100% yeah. of the time use your finger as an input. And so that would lead you to a trackpad, which mm -hmm. is horizontally. And once you have a trackpad, you probably want a mouse. I don't necessarily think iOS should move to a focus-based UI like tvOS does. I'm not sure that scales well to complex productivity apps like okay. an image editor. Yeah. And so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see a mouse support on iOS once you go to larger screen sizes. Yeah, definitely. I use mice for my remoting application. It supports a Bluetooth mouse, but it's like only that app can work with it kind of thing. So it would be nice to see a system-wide understanding of mice and do it in a way that makes sense for the user. One last note on that point. Last year, I created a framework called PointerKit, which is kind of funny, which actually was a proof of concept. It's not really used in any apps that I know of, but mm -hmm. it's a proof of concept to basically link a Bluetooth mouse, as you describe, to an iPad. And I had this demo hooked up to picture where you could have a trackpad or a magic mouse from Apple, which controls a pointing, well, a, a mouse basically, inside picture. And you can click things and drag things and things like that. It was kind of funny and a lot of people seem to like that idea. So hopefully Apple will take a look at that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that they will expand to larger scale devices eventually and i think they're moving that way and hopefully a mouse at some point gets there if only for you know some of that those larger form factors and even you know when you're working at a standing desk i i used to stand up more when i worked but now with an ipad it's more comfortable to be sitting down and having your you know elbow rest near the screen kind of thing with panel kit it's an open is it an open source kit have you seen other developers take to it yet or what's uh, you know the status of, of that uh yeah so most of the things i do nowadays are open source luckily uh, including panel kit as well as pointer kit which i mentioned earlier panel kit is being used in picture as i mentioned uh, as well as open term which is kind of interesting where you have uh, a bunch of panels regarding the history of where you've been with your command line interface and you have bookmarks and in the coming update you will even have a scripts panel where you mm -hmm. can manage your scripts apart from my own apps there have been a couple of apps that i've seen that made it into the app store with panel kit nothing like real productivity okay but hey if, if someone listening is interesting in, in using it please let me know and and uh, i'll take a look yeah. maybe help out with open term what limitations did you have to deal with on ios to create with this uh, you mentioned its use case of working with files app side by side do you have to work only in the open term app data folder or are you able to get elsewhere within there obviously there are a lot of limitations when it comes to building a terminal on ios that is you know not built by apple but actually using only the allowed APIs, so it can be in the App Store, so they don't reject it. I suppose the biggest limitation initially that I thought was in, indeed uh, regarding the file access. If you build an, an iPad app, by default, you only have access to the files within that app's documents folder. Mm -hmm. But I got a way around that by basically enabling OpenTerm to use iCloud. And so the files stored actually on iCloud. And that means you can view them in the files app. And another great thing is that in iOS 11, or maybe even before that, Apple allowed you to open any folder from 
a cloud-based provider and actually allow an an app to access those documents and manipulate them. You can in or tap a button in OpenTerm and you can open any folder that you can see in the files app. You can, you know, execute any command that you otherwise could on the documents within OpenTerm. Okay. What's a common, like, uh, directory path you have for, say, Google Drive? Is it slash Google Drive slash the the path, or how do you access them? Yeah, so you can't actually access a folder on Google Drive via commands. Okay. You can't do that. You actually need to bring up basically the files app, but it's inside OpenTerm. It doesn't really open the files app, but it's, it looks like it. And is this using the panel kit? It'll have like a, a panel that's... Uh, you know, visible or? No, it's full screen. It opens a full screen window provided by Apple, a system API, which shows you basically the files app where you can select a folder using the UI provided by Apple. Uh, Once you select a folder, you can open it and then you can execute any commands on it. But you you cannot escape what's called the sandbox, which is basically, as you have on macOS, there's a lot of files regarding how the system works and the default apps on the system, such as the calendar app and and the mail app, things like that, you cannot access those. You can only access files that you can see within the files app on iPad, within OpenTerm. And once you use that panel to get into a folder, you have access to, through command line, all the files within that app directory or within that storage provider directory or how far back does it lead you once you select a folder you only have access to the files within that folder and i'm actually not sure about subfolders within Mm -hmm. that folder because there's some security issues there so you might need to if you need to change a folder you might need to open that files screen again to select another folder okay and what's the the common use case for you when you're doing file management on the ipad working within these folders to move stuff around the interesting thing uh, i think about open term is it has very little limitations regarding file creation because basically if you go inside the files app on ios at the moment and you want to create a file like let's say you want to create an xml file that Mm -hmm. you want to do something in there's no way to do that you can create folders there's a button for that but there's no button to create a new file which makes sense. There's neither a button for that in Finder on macOS. But in a command line, you have a command called touch, mm-hmm. which basically if you type touch and then the name of the file you want, like say test.xml, it will create a file called text uh, test.xml within the current folder you're in. Uh, and that will create an empty file, which then you can open, for example, in TextStore. You see how it all uh, fits yes. together? Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and then you can type anything you want. The main use case for me at the moment with OpenTerm is really creating any file I want. I don't need to open a certain app to create an XML file. I can just say within OpenTerm, touch my file dot whatever extension I want, and it will create an empty file with that name and extension, which okay. is kind of nice. It's been a while since I'm not as familiar with Terminal. Or is file merging a a thing that's a command or any a new deletion is definitely a thing. The way command line interfaces work is that there's a bunch of tools, most of them being open source, that are bundled inside a terminal. OpenTerm at the moment has about, I think, 30, maybe 40 different commands. File merging, as you mentioned, is not one of those at the moment, but there are certain commands out there that provide that mm-hmm. for file merging. So it might be interesting to add those. It's really nice to see you know, all the open source work coming together. Like you have an open source terminal using open source commands and kind of nice, actually. 
that's a great thing actually about OpenTerm being open source. Anyone with a need for a certain command can go on GitHub, github.com slash louisdh slash terminal. It's actually called still the repo. Mm-hmm. And there they can provide you know feedback or maybe propose actually commands to be added. So if someone really wants a command added to OpenTerm, they can add it themselves and request me to merge that into yeah. the App Store app. Very cool. One of the commands is SSH. This is for remoting in the servers, is that right? What kind of access does that grant you? Right, so SSH in OpenTerm is currently quite limited, unfortunately, because the real power with SSH is that you connect to a server, and once you have a connection established, you can then execute commands on that server. So for example, you could connect to a Linux server, and then you can manipulate the files on that remote machine and display them and do anything you want with them. Uh, Unfortunately, SSH at the moment in OpenTerm is not interactive, which means if you execute a command SSH, it can only do the commands that you pass to it when you type it. When you want to create a file via SSH in OpenTerm, you can say SSH and then the server and then the command you want, and it will do that command. But if you want to do another command, you have to always re-enter the server name. You need to create a new connection every time you want a, another command. And that's a limitation of iOS APIs currently? Not really, actually. There are some SSH applications in the App Store that allow far more rich experience with SSH. It's just that the text management within OpenTerm is not ideal at the moment for an interactive environment mm, okay. where you create an, an, a connection with a server and type basically on a remote machine. So there's some work needed there, and luckily it's open source, and some volunteers have taken it on them to improve on that, which is kind of nice to see. Oh, very cool. Hopefully in an update, it will improve in open term. And FTP access is currently not an ability, right? That could be added in the future, though, through the developer community. In the coming updates, FTP might be included. Oh, very cool. So we're looking at that, like uh, as well as commands like ping, which you can use to check the connection to a certain site or, or server which is kind of nice. So yeah, some network uh, commands are definitely coming. And are there any limitations that you expect to be lifted in the future that would enable the terminal app to do more than you're allowed to currently? The next big update of OpenTerm will be a scripting update, which will allow you to write scripts, which will then be allowed within those scripts to call any command you want. So let's say you want to create uh, a thousand files or a thousand folders, then you can write a for loop within a script and actually do it in uh, an efficient manner rather than having to tap a button in the UI a thousand times and typing uh-huh. the name. This could also do batch renaming maybe as well in a similar scripting method? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. And so the real challenge at the moment with scripting inside OpenTerm is that Apple does not allow applications within the App Store to execute arbitrary code. And basically what that means is when a developer creates an app, when you go and upload the app to the App Store, the whole application is signed cryptographically and all the code that's within the app at the time of uploading is signed as well. Mm -hmm. And that's the only code that's allowed to be executed. It's not allowed at the moment by Apple to add more features, you could say, or in this case have scripts that actually go and run native code at native speed and and do certain things. So one way to get around that is use what's called an interpreter, which basically is a higher level way of running code, which is not as powerful, not as fast. 
it'll do for mm-hmm. scripting an open term. Yeah. But, uh, and, and that's, by the way, also limiting, if we go back to Xcode on iOS, the reason that there aren't many powerful IDEs at the moment is that Apple does not allow, you know, code execution. So if you type code in an app uh, on iOS at the moment and you execute it, it's not really being executed at full speed. It mm-hmm. has some limitations. It's, yeah. it's being run within this sandbox thing and, yeah. Uh, and if it crashes the code, it will bring down the whole app, which right. is kind of nasty. Yeah. So, yeah, it would be nice if Apple would open that a bit more up and allow more powerful scripting or IDEs on iOS with, I don't know, certain permissions that maybe developers can ask for. Yeah, that's the same rule that prevents video game emulation from being an app that's available, for instance. Right, indeed. Yeah. yeah. With uh, Texter, are there any... Other features on its way. It's, I mean, it's got dark mode now. It's got different font sizes. But beyond that, it's, it's text en- editing, and I'm not sure if there's anything else uh, to do to it. Yeah. So the reception to Dexter was quite amazing. So thanks to everyone who who downloaded it and for all the kind feedback, as well as all the all the news sites that I wrote about it. And I got a lot of feedback regarding features as well. When I released the 1.0 version, one of the many requested features was adding a dark mode. Because Textor is also open source on my GitHub profile, someone actually created the dark mode and uploaded it and said like, hey, maybe you should add this to, to the app. And I did. And so a couple of days later, there was a dark mode. So that was one feature ticked off. Another feature people really wanted in version one, but, uh, 1.0 and was added was the text size. So you can change the font size. But that's kind of where it stopped at the moment. Mm-hmm. Other features that people have requested and I'm looking into is changing actually the font. So currently you can change the font size, but not the font itself. It's always the same font. That would be nice. And so it might be interesting to allow people to change, you know, the font to something they like. Although, obviously, it's not all the files within Texture are plain text. So if you change the font or the text size, it's not within the file that you're changing that because it's plain text. Right. You're changing it on an app level. So all the files you open have the same font then uh, that you pick in the settings. Okay. What was the inspiration for the name, the icon, and going with purple as kind of the, the color highlighting and scheme of it i actually wrote a blog post about the icon that i designed for textor i wanted the app to be very simple which i think i succeeded in but i also wanted the app icon to reflect the simplicity of the app initially i was going for like a a really basic icon with the letter t which was kind of lame looking back now. <laughs> I then went completely the other side. I, I made it very complex with like a keyboard within the icon. But I, eventually I settled on the current icon, which has basically a file glyph, you could say. And yeah, the purple, it, it was just playing around in Photoshop with different colors until it felt right. So not much of a story behind the okay. color, I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, one interesting feature I was just thinking of is some apps I know offer alternate color but icons and having like a bunch of variety of icons people could pick out. I don't know how easy or hard that is. I'm not a developer. I know it's a feature now with iOS. People have requested a similar feature, or actually the same feature regarding different app icons within OpenTerm. And as well in, in Textor, there, there are arguments you can make against that for it. Like, sure, some people might like that, but then again, is there really much of a benefit to change the icon of a plain text editor? I'm not sure. Yeah, just <laughs> uh, people wanting their devices to be in a certain color scheme it's really not a functional benefit at all 
Yeah. So I'm not sure what the idea would be behind it. Like, I don't know, provides like 16 icons in Textor, like each a different color, like you would have a red and a green and a blue. I don't know. Maybe yeah. might be useful to someone, but I'm not sure if I will add that. For a picture, this is a pixel-based artwork creation tool. This is your first app. Did you create this because you, in your day job, need to create pixel-based art? Or what's, what was the motivation for this app being made? That was a complete like hobby project that I started when I was still in college a couple of years ago. The main inspiration initially for picture was the drawings that Susan Care made for the uh, Macintosh project back in the 80s, which back then, pixel art were just called art, right? <laughs> because of the resolution being yeah. so low on the on the initial uh, Macintosh, uh, as well as the display being black and white, mm-hmm. so it didn't have any color. It, it was really fun uh, a couple of years ago to watch a presentation by Susan Kerr. Um, maybe we should link to it in the show notes sure. or something, yeah. where... She talked about designing these icons, which is basically pixel art. She was using just black on white pixels. It's it's like, well, you can still see the remnants of those icons today, like the finder icon she designed, I believe, and things like that. That was the main inspiration. Like I saw that presentation and I wanted to draw pixel art on my iPad and didn't find a good app at the time. So I decided to create one. And within a matter of, you know, a couple of days, I had a black uh, on white grid where I could just draw some pixels, which was such a nice feeling. And many months later, I eventually got to release Picture, which was a full-featured pixel art editor with colors and things like that. Very cool. My brain immediately went to 8-bit artwork in like Mario and things like that. But yeah, app icons uh, back in the early days. It's fascinating. Mm. Have you gotten much feedback from users as far as artwork created in Picture? Have you seen uh, some cool things being made with it? People send me some artwork from time to time that they create in picture, which is great to see. I haven't seen any games yet that have used artwork created in picture, but if anyone did create a game, I would love to hear. So please tell me uh, if you did, if someone's listening. What one of your favorite features in the app? Back in December of last year, I launched Picture 3.0, which was a big update. One of the more interesting features in that update was actually a version browser, which is basically comparable to Time Machine on macOS, mm-hmm. where you can select a document and it will open this 3D view where you can browse through all the different versions since you started creating the document. It's basically a history of the drawing. And you can go back and export older versions if you made a mistake or maybe you liked it better before you made a change. That's a really nice feature to also sort of think about like, well, wouldn't it be nice to have that as a system feature to have it maybe in the files app as well? Yeah. That was a lot of fun working on that. So yeah. That could be useful for doing multiple steps in an animation of a character. Say you have a character, then you make some adjustments for the slight movement of that character. Yeah, people have been requesting actually some uh, animation features in picture, which I haven't got around to yet, but that will be a lot of fun to work on, I think. Pixel art uh, as a static image is one thing, but actually having animations and movements with pixel art is a lot of fun to see and and also work at, I believe. Anything else about picture that we didn't cover that you want to talk about? Together with picture 3.0, I actually launched Panel Kit 2.0 as well Mm -hmm. last December. Panel Kit 2.0 mainly introduced the ability to resize panels. And that was quite some tinkering and some prototyping involved to get that right. Because as I've mentioned before, actually resizing what are essentially windows, although you can call them panels, is quite tricky with a touch interface. And so eventually I went for a sort of handle in the right bottom corner of each panel where you can 
drag and resize each panel. But yeah, there was some uh, prototyping involved. At one point, I had like a double tap gesture on the title of the panel, which would enter a resize mode and you can pinch to resize and some crazy stuff. That was a lot of fun as well to work on. The other question I have, Savannah Kit, what is this, I guess, resource or tool that you've developed? As I've said, I'm, I'm looking for the next open term update to mm-hmm. bring scripting to open term, which will actually be using a programming language that I created myself called CUP, mm-hmm. C-U-B, that's spelled. Having a programming language and a terminal is one thing, but you need actually a good environment to write the code in, uh, have an idea about how to debug it, if there's anything wrong with it. And so I went and created a framework called Savannah Kit, which has a bunch of building blocks within it for having a UI to display and edit code. Okay. And so the main building block at the moment is a text view, which basically displays the code, and it has syntax highlighting, so different attributes have different colors within it. You can have auto-completion and things like that to easily write uh, code efficiently. Okay. And with your code, Linus and Cub, your development languages, I mean, what were the objectives in creating those and why use something custom versus just pure Swift or some other language? About 18 months ago, I had the idea of having a shader kind of feature within Picture which basically allows you to write code that then is reflected on the pixels that you see on screen. Mm -hmm. So you can write code that says, well, I want every other pixel to be red, and then you would have like a tile pattern of red, white, red, white, something like that, or maybe gradients, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. At the time, I was considering like maybe I can use JavaScript. That's one option on iOS, which is kind of built in the system which wouldn't require too much work. But then I thought it would be a fun learning exercise to actually create my own language and my own compiler and, and stuff like that. And so I went ahead and did actually that. So as I said, it's it's a fun learning exercise, not necessarily the fastest way that I could have uh, developed such a feature. It's kind of embarrassing, though, that as we speak, that feature, that shader feature in picture is not yet finished. It's it's still not out there in the App Store, although I'm working on it. it sounds like a cool feature once it gets fit polished up yeah uh, but then kind of interesting how things went because then like a year later after i created lioness i started working on open term yeah and i was thinking like well i want scripting should i use javascript well no i i know how to create a programming language now so maybe i should create a programming language specifically for scripting in open term which i did and that's cup which is based in its implementation on lioness although it has some richer features that you need to do scripting, which you don't necessarily need in a shader language. Mm-hmm. It's always interesting looking back how time goes. You know, uh, If I hadn't created Linus, I probably wouldn't have created Cup, which would then mean there's no scripting in open term. Yeah. Well, anything else we haven't covered that you'd like to talk about for a little bit? WWDC is coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you put in the uh, request for the lottery or what's... I did register for the lottery, but I was not lucky enough to oh, get I'm a ticket, sorry. Yeah. unfortunately. So yeah. Maybe next year. I did go last year, though. So, hey, yeah. I have something, I suppose. Yeah. What's the one big thing you're hoping to see? Is this Mac iOS shared code base thing something you're excited about? Or what, what are you looking forward to, hoping to see announced? There are some rumblings surrounding cross-platform applications on iOS and macOS, which might be the first step to having maybe mouse support or or better window management on iOS. So it'll be interesting to see what Apple comes up with and what they see as the next step for for iPads uh, or iOS in general. Yeah, I can't wait to see what 
gets announced. Yeah, and maybe I can bring picture to the Mac if the rumors turn out. Well, thank you so much for your time, Lewis, this morning or afternoon for you. And uh, for people that want to find your work, it's at silverfox.be. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much again for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of iPad Pros. It would mean the world to me if you could spend just a few minutes right now to open up the Apple Podcasts app if you're not already in it and leave a review for this show. Just search for iPad Pros and Apple Podcasts. It would be greatly, greatly appreciated. It helps others discover the podcast and you'd have my thanks. You can find the show notes over at iPadPros.net. You can email me, iPadProsPodcast at gmail.com. And with that, thanks for listening to this episode of iPad Pros.